everybody, and welcome to the Access Ninja Podcast. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Rachel. And we are a bi-weekly podcast that's every other week where we talk about accessibility through the lens of technology, life, and design. How are you doing today, Rachel? I am doing wonderful. I have a birthday party later today, so can't be any more fun. Sounds like a, sounds like a good time. Uh, I'm doing pretty good here. We recently moved into our new house, and I'm just getting used to uh, getting used to the the new setup. So I'm in a brand new studio today. So I hope uh, I hope all the audio sounds good, and I don't have any weird audio technical problems. But everybody, be a little bit patient with me if you can. You know, I'm actually surprised that you pulled it off so fast. Because my house, my studio would have been like, "Hey, we're recording from a hotel room today." The best thing about my new studio is that I have uh, a window nearby with some 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 natural light in here and uh, it's a little bit farther away from you know where my where my wife's hanging out so that uh, she doesn't have to worry about being quiet when I'm when I'm recording. So yeah, I'm relaxed, I'm chill, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm bet you're chill. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a uh, we're going to we're going to start out today with a uh, with a, a tech tip. This tech tip actually uh, was inspired by a uh, well, a personal experience you had recently with uh, the Siri Shortcuts app. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we were talking in the other episode about Siri Shortcuts and how excited we were all about it. And then I downloaded, and since I'm not as smart as Jonathan, <laughs> I couldn't get it to work. And the, the, the big thing that was going on is when you open up the Siri Shortcuts app. So just to recap, in case anybody didn't hear uh, last week's episode. So with iOS 12, which came out, the latest update for the iPhone and the iPad, uh, along with it was released an app called Siri Shortcuts that you can find from the App Store. If you actually activate Siri, you can say, find Siri Shortcuts in the App Store and you'll get it right away. So it's an app that Apple makes that allows you to create your own shortcuts or, or macros, essentially. And inside of this app, it, it gets a little bit complicated to create commands. And don't worry, we're actually going to give you an entire episode uh, that, uh, that I recorded that's going to walk you through creating two of your own shortcuts. But if you open this app up, even if you're not technical, you open it up, the app opens up and it's a tabbed application, so that means there's buttons at the bottom that you can navigate with, and there's a gallery and a library. So the library is where you keep any of the shortcuts you've created or that you've downloaded, and the gallery is where you find them. So the gallery is a bunch of uh, Apple-created shortcuts that do various things, like uh, uh, play a particular uh, album in your uh, music library, or logs how much water you drank today, or sets a little timer for you to brush your teeth to, or all these kind of fun little things. I love the tea timer, because, you know, I'm a big tea drinker, and they have different times for letting it, you know, uh, sit there, and it was pretty cool. I've been meaning to set my own up of that, because I want to come up with my own uh, chill tea music so that a timer gets set, but also like some music plays in the background. I don't know. Oh, that would be awesome. Or put a little tick, 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 tick. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what you can do in this gallery is you can find one of these shortcuts. Uh, and then when you select it, there's an option to get the shortcut. And then it shows up in your library. And the problem is uh, it's Siri shortcuts. You think about Siri. And so you add the shortcut in. Let's say the shortcut's called log water, for example. And so you think, I'm going to activate that shortcut by uh, activating Siri and say, hey, Siri. Oh, sorry. I don't. I probably just set off some people's phones. <laughs> and I set up my own phone. Uh, so Log my water. Uh, you would just uh, activate Siri and say log water, and then uh, she doesn't know what you're talking about. And the the deal is with Siri shortcuts, when you add something from the gallery, Siri shortcuts can be activated one of three different ways. You can open up the app and activate it from the library. Uh, if, you, uh, if, if you've got the Siri shortcut widget set up, so that's, you know, if you're in the home screen and then you flick to, uh, if, if you've Flick to the right, or if you're a voiceover user, a three-finger flick from, from left to right, you end up on what's called the widget screen. And there's a Siri widget that is a list of items from your library. You can activate it from that widget screen, or you can activate it by voice uh, with, uh, with Siri. Uh, oh, and I should say you can also add them as buttons on the home screen. There's a lot of different ways. But to get it to actually activate to your voice, there's an extra step. So I actually have uh, Siri shortcuts on my phone here, and I'm going to walk through how to do it. If you're a voiceover user, don't worry, I'm going to turn on voiceover on my phone. Excuse me, so you can hear exactly uh, what it sounds like to do this. So I'm going to activate voiceover. voiceover on shortcuts, edit button. I just want to make sure you can hear that, right, Rachel? I yes. Perfect. I'm going to maybe turn my volume up just a little bit here. So what I've done is I open up the Shortcuts app, and I'm in the library. And I mentioned that it's a tabbed application. So two buttons at the bottom. If you touch the very, very, very bottom left corner of your iPhone screen, you'll hear. Selected. Library. You tab. Hear. One of two. You hear library. Uh, mine selected, so I'm already there. And on the screen is a list of my shortcuts. I'm going to add a uh, voice command to a shortcut I created called Check Me Out. And Check Me Out uh, is uh, just takes a, a front-facing selfie photo and saves it. Uh, so I'm going to find that shortcut. Create shortcut. Record my blood pressure. But check me out button. All right. So check me out here. I want to get into the mode where I can edit or look at the pieces that have made up this shortcut here. So if you're sighted, there's a little button in the top right corner of the uh, of the check me out button itself. It has three little dots on it that you tap on. But with voiceover, I'm going to flip down. Rename shortcut. Duplicate shortcut. Delete shortcut. Edit shortcut. Ah, I want to edit my shortcut. Yeah, I was going to tell you, flick up, and that takes you straight to I edit. know. I said <laughs> if I, I usually flick up, too, because that gets you faster to, I think, delete if you're in mail. But okay. Yeah. That's a different tech tip. All right. So I'm going it's to. It's okay. You don't use voiceover every day. So I we, do, let, I we let you off the hook. Yeah, but I teach it. I I. I got to hold myself to a higher standard. <laughs> so I'm going to, now that I've got it set to edit, I'm going to double tap. So that's the voiceover way of getting to it. I'm just going to repeat. If you don't have voiceover, you tap the button with three little dots in the corner. Search. Search field. So I'm in the 
check me out and i can actually look at the steps if i kept flicking through this we're not going to go through how these are made because you're going to uh learn how to create one in a future episode here but there is a button it's near the top right corner which is the settings i'm going to move my focus to the top for voiceover i'm just going to do a four finger tap at the top of the screen check me out heading and i'm going to flick to the right till i hear settings uh if you're sighted the settings button uh looks like like two little switches uh, one on and one off, uh, right, be- right below the done button in the top right corner. So I'm just going to flick to the right to get to the settings. Done. Bu- undo. Redo. Run short. Share. Shortcut settings. Button. There's, oh, there's my shortcut settings. So I'm going to select that. Settings. Hitting. And what I want to do in this section, you're going to see something that says Siri phrase. And Siri phrase is where you choose the voice command that you'd like to use whenever you want to activate the shortcut. So you'll find that about a third of the way down on the screen, or you can just with voiceover flick to the right till you find Siri phrase. Done. Name. Icon. Siri phrase. All right. So I'm going to tap or activate that. Cancel button. Now, I actually already recorded a phrase for this one. I I was doing that while I was testing before I did this demo here. And I forgot to remove it before we started, but that's okay. I'm going to flick to the right until I hear record phrase. Uh, If you're excited, you'll see the record phrase about two-thirds of the way down on the screen there. So I'm just going to flick to the right until I get to it. It's going to say re-record phrase for me because I already have a phrase, but we're going to redo it for everyone here. Done. Run, check me out. Shortcuts. Re-record phrase button. All right. So what I'm going to do is I am going to activate this button. It's going to beep at me to let me know that it's listening. I'm going to speak the phrase I would like to say whenever I want to activate my check me out shortcut. And uh, I can then uh, tap or I can do the activate gesture. One finger double tap for voiceover or just tap the record done button. Or just wait a moment and it will know that you're done. That's a lot of information, but you're just going to activate that button and follow. just follow along and you'll figure it out. Uh, and then you're just going to say your phrase. So I'm going to make this one, well, I'm just going to say, check me out. Why not? Check me out. Ooh. Recording I phrase. Tra- check me out. <laughs> you heard this recording? I tried to mess up your recording, darn it. <laughs> And you'll hear, I've got headphones on, so you, my phone can't hear you. <laughs> oh, my I've, Halloween trick didn't work. I set this up to be Rachel proof. <laughs> so you'll hear it says recorded phrase, check me out. And if you're excited, you'll just see on the phrase what it heard you say. And now when I activate Siri, I can say uh, my phrase, check me out. It will activate my front face and camera, take a picture. And in my case, it actually sets it up to send that picture to somebody else because you want to say, hey, check me out. Anyways, <laughs> so you can repeat this as many times as you want to to uh, uh, any of the shortcuts that you've set up in series shortcuts. I, I do want to point out when you're done recording uh, there, you have to hit the done button to go back into the settings, uh, the shortcut settings, and then you've got to go back again to be uh, back at the library here. And just so I don't leave y'all in the uh, in the wind there, you'll find done is in the top right corner. Uh, I can flick to the left to get there. Short run check done button. Activate that. Siri phrase. Check me out button. Now I'm in the settings. It says Siri phrase check me out. I'm going to flick to the left or find the done button in the top right corner. Icon name done button. Double tap. Done. Activate check that. me out. Hitting.
Now I'm on the settings for check me out and done again in the top right corner. Done button. Activate. Edit button. Now I'm back at the library where I have an edit option. So you end up about three layers in deep when you go in to do that setting. I just wanted to let you know how to get back again because uh, I, uh, I don't want to leave you high and dry. Like I got the shortcut, but now I'm stuck. So can't you use the flick like the back and forth to just act it out? Oh, the two fingers scrub. Yeah. So, um, yes, you can. Um, okay. And so for voiceover users, you can take two fingers and do the two finger scrub gesture to go to go back. Uh, sighted users, sorry, you got to hit the done button. No shortcut for you. <laughs> I always use that shortcut. It just makes my life a lot easier instead of going to find. Now, I had a quick question. Yeah. Well, I have two questions. One is a blind question. So when your users use voiceover, I understand when you explain it the first time, you know, you flick through the whole screen. But is it common that everybody flicks through the whole screen as they're doing things or... Or do they go straight to the button or try to be really close to the button? Oh, that's a really good question. And that really, really depends on the individual. So I work with all types of vision loss. All my customers are legally blind. But of course, that is a pretty broad definition. So I have a, a lot of customers who actually have some vision. Uh, they can't maybe see exactly what the buttons say. And they'll touch the button, have voiceover read it to confirm that that's the right button. And they'll double tap. Uh, now, I do have a couple customers who have lost all their sight because um, most people I'm working with, actually, I only have a handful of people who have been blind their whole lives. Most people have actually lost their vision uh, because of uh, an eye condition, usually something age-related like macular degeneration, although it's not exclusively age-related, uh, glaucoma or maybe an injury, a stroke, things like that. So occasionally, I do have someone who's lost all their vision uh, and they, they're taking a lesson from me and they've never used the iPhone. It's brand new for them. So what I tend to do is to, uh, it, sometimes it depends on the phone. I've got a couple of people with iPhone 10s. And the iPhone 10, it's really easy to find the corners because the screen goes edge to edge. But on some of the older phones or, or the phones that are not the 10s, the, the 8s, the 7s, the 6s, Finding the top left and top right corner can be a little bit of a challenge because they've got what they call a chin and a forehead, which is a, a blank space at the top and a blank space at the bottom, which is where they've got like the microphone and the home button that are not touchable areas. And that makes it a little bit more of a challenge for them to find. Uh, and so that makes a difference. But what what makes what's to me what what's showing up more and more is I will teach somebody uh, to get comfortable with the flicking left and flicking right to navigate through the phone first. And uh -huh. then we'll start working on some of the spatial navigation. And the reason why I tend to do that is because the spatial navigation works really good when, uh, when, you're, when you're A, a good explorer. Like you're comfortable just dragging around on the phone and navigating and, and kind of figuring out where things are. Or you've got someone there who's taught you, you know, oh, done button's usually in the top right corner. Back button's usually in the top left. Uh, tabbed buttons are at the bottom. And uh, you, you give too many things to someone like that at one time, I get, you know, then it's hard for them to memorize all of it. But if I teach them this flick left and flick right, and they'll eventually, although it can be slow, they'll eventually find what they need, that kind of gives them the confidence to kind of explore and uh, and also when the spatial doesn't work or a button isn't where they expect it to do, they have a backup. And so even though maybe spatial is the faster way of getting around, 
I feel like I really want people to have a solid sense of the flick left and flick right navigation. So that's probably a really, really long version of, of what you the answer to your sh- short question. <laughs> yeah, no, because I'm very spatial. Like, I don't have patience for it. And I, in fact, get upset because some apps, uh, they, I don't know how it is, and maybe you can answer that, but they code for flicking. But somehow it doesn't work with the dragging. And, and sometimes when you're doing your user your user interface too, um, then the flicking doesn't actually read in the right order. I don't uh-huh. know if you noticed that, where if you drag on the left-hand side down, it reads everything in the order that it appears as you touch it. But if you flick, it reads in a different order. That can be really frustrating. Right. So I was just noticing. But more and more, what I do is I flick the first time I come in, then I drag just so I can recognize the screen. But once I do that, uh, from then on, I just I just click on the area I know the button is at. And and usually I get it right or I get it like maybe to the button before or after. So I have to flick only once. One thing that makes a difference is I'm working with a lot of seniors and they have varying um, confidence levels with these smartphones. And my seniors are generally speaking, uh, very patient with their technology. And so the flicking to the right is like this nice, I know how it works. Everything comes in a certain order, most usually consistently. Uh, and so they don't mind the, uh, the the fact that it's slower. And then we build them into the, the spatial work. Although they are people who are sighted who tend to be more spatial thinkers. So there are some people I will jump right into and we will be doing almost everything spatially. It it kind of depends on the student, the student, the student needs, and how they like to think. Usually, within working with them, with a couple minutes with the phone, I can figure out. Oh, this person flicks are going to be. They want the confidence of everything reading in order, and they don't mind having to wait. And this person's very spatial. We're going to drag our finger around to navigate. That's going to be their central navigation it, method. It's kind of interesting because I'm getting to the point that I don't even drag my finger. It's, it's really kind of cool. Just like go straight to it. And of course, the iPhone 10 helps a bunch. So I want to get out and just push down a button or back or it's like, hey, get out of my way. But I've been reading a book called The Four Tendencies and I'm definitely a rebel. So I think that's part of the problem. <laughs> no patience. Okay, now for my blind question. Okay. Why would somebody take a selfie and say check me out i mean because your face is your face right so what difference does it make if you take one selfie or two selfies or three selfies well what's what's the what's the excitement about it what's the excitement of a of a selfie period or 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 around the phrase check me out no no of the selfie itself like how is one selfie different from another selfie so the big deal with selfies, this is, oh, this is a good question. Uh, I actually talked to a tour guide at, at, at a trip once. And he was asking, like, why are people even taking selfies? I don't even know why. Um, a lot of it has to do less of uh, yourself in the picture and what you choose to be in the background of the picture. So, for example, when my mom and I went on a trip to Paris, uh, I had us take a couple selfies in front of the Eiffel Tower. And so peop- I could then share those with people and they would see me. Uh, and they would see the Eiffel Tower, and it's sort of like the eye was there. 
So there's a lot of people taking selfies, and what they want to do is they want a picture of something, usually not themselves, but something else, but they would like to be in the photo as sort of a, I was there. Oh, so I'm I'm not a big selfie taker because you always you always look like uh, uh not maybe not always but a lot of people look kind of like touristy and kind of dorky when they do it. You you don't look cool when you take a selfie. But I was at the uh, San Francisco Zoo and they had the panda there and I took a selfie in front of it because if I took a picture of a panda, uh, I can find a million photos of a panda. I can find a million photos of that panda by just doing a Google image search. So I don't really care about having just another picture of this panda that's been had had a thousand photos taken of it. But if it's a photo of the panda and I'm in it, then that's a unique special photo. Uh, that's so a memory. It, it's it's kind of like the new postcard. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's very much like a digital postcard. That's a great way to put it. Right, I mean, because postcards you bought, you could only buy where you were, and then, and then the, you know, the, you you dropped it in the post office of Paris, for example, right? And you send me a postcard from there, and I'm like, like, hey, Jonathan was here, but you weren't there. So now it's like a personalized postcard. Yeah, that's exactly that what I I told the tour guide too. It's like it's very personalized, and like the same thing is nowadays. I can find a picture of anything, any piece of artwork, any statue, any animal, right. any location. You know, within seconds. So, so what gives the Brega the Brega Brega rights? <laughs> so it's like it's having your face in there. Exactly, and it's sort of a uh, I was there. You know, it makes it special and unique to you. Um, the one thing that the tour guide uh, said as a joke is he goes he goes Why do you need to prove you were there? Do your friends not believe you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that brings me to the story. So we knew a girl in college and every time somebody traveled somewhere, right, she would give that person money for them to buy a postcard and send a postcard from wherever they were at to her friends. And and she wasn't there, but it was a way of faking it, I guess. I mean, why would somebody ever do that? I don't know. But again, I was privileged enough to go up traveling around and so that never occurred to me but um and and I don't take enough photos like you know my friend said oh you should have an Instagram that's the best way to have people follow you and um I take a lot of pictures but you know like if you look through my phone you're gonna find like bathroom pictures about accessibility (laughs) Oh yeah, like, some, like look at this some, problem. Or some interesting design stuff, like you know. And I try to take pictures, but not. I, I know that I, I probably don't take enough pictures as anybody, like that have an Instagram account or you know. Um, and and I couldn't get the 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 selfie because to me, when you know you take a front camera face, uh. You know, I put the the phone more or less white, like at a level with my face. So I thought that that really created more like a headshot. So it is a wide, uh, it is a wide picture then that picks up whatever's on your background. And it really depends on how you know if you've got your arm at its full length, uh, you can get uh-huh. some good background. If you hold the phone in landscape, you can especially catch more. If it's in portrait, then you're going to get just what's you know what's above or below you. If you do landscape, you can get to the left or to the right. So my selfies are almost always in landscape because you tend to get more and you hold it back. But that's why people have those selfie sticks 
which are basically a little a little articulating arm you can yeah i to. have them but i use them for making videos yeah so the the nice thing about the selfie stick is it gets the phone a little farther back which makes it so you can see more of the background interesting plus yeah and, that that's pretty cool because i mean for me i don't see what's in the background so you know i wouldn't even because like you know like you it's like oh the panda's there you want to show the panda but i mean in my case it's like i have no clue what's in it so why would it be interesting to everybody to be seeing my face again <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you I, I had actually that question for a while um i was in the plane the other day and then this lady actually said oh let's take a selfie and I was thinking about, I mean, what would it be? It's me and her, and we were sitting on the bulkhead in seat. You know, so it's like, okay, what's interesting about this? Maybe it was me. <laughs> well, I think I think you in that case were the special thing, because a lot of people like to okay. take selfies with, uh, with with another person just to say, hey, look, I was with that person. A lot of celebrities, you know, oh, can I take a selfie with a celebrity? You don't care what's in the background. It's just about you and this other person being together, and this photo is sort of documenting that moment. Interesting. Okay. Wow. Somebody cared about how my selfie on their selfie. All right. Yeah, because I've got one selfie uh, of my my wife and I with Teller of Penn and Teller, the magicians uh, in Vegas. And uh, the background to that is just like a really boring office style wall. But it's, you know, we wanted a picture to say, hey, I, I, I was standing next to and talking to Teller of Penn and Teller. You know, that's kind of almost uh, flattering. But maybe she just wanted a picture to say, hey, I was with this blind chick on the plane. Yeah, that might have been it too. <laughs> All right. All cool. right. So let's move on to our, uh, our, our main topic of the day. And we're going to be talking about, although we're a couple of days late, but I think it's still important to talk about White Cane Day. Yay! October 15th. Oh, was it the seventeenth? I thought it was the fifteenth. Oh, is but it the I same day every year? I, oh no, now I can't remember. Not me neither. <laughs> I always thought it was the fifteenth, but I haven't promoted a white cane day or gone to a white cane day walk in probably ten years. No, so I was I no, no, corroborated. No, no. I, I should, never thought I was wrong. <laughs> I should have chimed in. No, you were right. You were one hundred percent right. <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> At least I just I just googled it to be uh to be sure and according to uh according to Google Monday October 15th was White Cane Day what threw me off is while I was looking it up uh I found a less official uh I found a not a less official I found a White Cane Day celebrated on Wednesday October 17th but that was only in uh, uh it looks like Austin Austin, Texas. So it was a special, specific special event. Well, uh, yeah, no. And, and so around Viking Day, uh, especially the NFB chapters uh, create different, uh, you know, awareness days. So they they all go to a place and with their canes and walk around to create awareness. So those are not always held on the same day because you know, for various reasons or or the group cannot do the 15 itself or there is a event on downtown where, you know, it will, will conflict with, with what we're doing. So I think it's a little bit flexible around. They, they try always to do around the 15 and, and bring that awareness. 
in my experience. So White Cane Day, I think it dates back quite um, quite a while too. I think like the um, back in the back in the seventies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it was. It was for sure in the late 1900s, but I'm not exactly sure the year. Maybe even earlier than the Maybe. 70s. Yeah, according to the NFB, um, the original uh, White Cane Day, it was White Cane Safety Day back then, but it started October 6, 1964, and it sort of yeah, changed uh, over over the years. And so now it's it's more it's it's about a lot of things. About what what would you say White Cane Day is about? In your in your opinion, in my opinion, well, it's to bring awareness of what the white cane means and the laws around it, right? So originally, uh, blind people used to use only a white cane. It became sort of the symbolism of you know the white cane with the red tip, and it was a way to indicate that somebody was blind and therefore uh, safety was important and um, it was to create awareness and safety for blind people crossing the streets and it was to alert cars and etc and uh and in addition you know there's these events that people tend to that different organizations and groups tend to hold around white cane day uh so as you mentioned the awareness is a big part of that also celebrating the accomplishments of of blind people uh, around the country is sometimes uh, is also kind of folded into that as well. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, in my opinion, I'm not even sure that's really good because I think, you know, blind accomplishment should be celebrated all the time. And I think it creates a confusion. Uh, I spent the last three weeks asking people, uh, what was the white king? And what did they represent? And for everybody that had a driver's license, I asked them if they were aware of the white cane law. And the results were very, very sad. I asked about uh, 35 people, and I believe from that only three people knew what the white cane law was. And about 10 people knew that the white cane kind of represents blindness. But a lot of other people, especially the younger crowd, like, you know, under 30 had no clue i've also met a couple of my of the seniors i work with who have actually been through or beginning their mobility training who don't understand actually the specific laws that apply to the white cane as well they might know about uh what it does for them for 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 independence for navigation uh what it does for them as what it does for them as a as a symbol uh and how it communicates to the people around them uh and uh but they don't actually don't know about the laws. And I do want to talk about the laws, but there's one other thing I want to talk about uh, that happens with my seniors. And I want your take on this, Rachel. And I don't think I've mentioned this before, is that I have had more than a handful of customers who really, really, really need the cane for the, for the, the safety, for the ability to navigate, to uh, ability to move through their environment. But they don't want to use the cane because of what they feel it means symbolically to other people. That to them, it, they are afraid the cane will make them look like they are less or like that they are less capable or, or communicate something to them. And they'll actually refuse to use the cane. And that, you know, kind of deeply saddens me sometimes. 
Yeah, I think that's a problem across the board with any blind people. Uh, there's a lot of blind children and blind teenagers, especially. A lot of blind teenagers don't want to use their cane because to them it's, you know, it, it, so teens especially are trying to fit in, right? And and that cane is screaming, I'm unique and different and I don't fit in. So it, it becomes this representation of a misfit. Now, there's a lot of teenagers that, you know, I actually, when we worked together, I had several parents and teachers that came to me and asked me to talk to a lot of teenagers to get them to use their cane. So one way that this being solved for teenagers is the ability for them to customize their cane. So now you can actually get um, things that go on top of your cane that has different colors and, you know, or you can switch so it can match your, I don't know, your jacket or whatever it is. But I think that is also creating a little bit of confusion about what a white cane is, right? Like like for the people that understand white cane. I remember uh, in school once, um, I must have been, must have been in eighth grade and this guy was in, a junior in high school and he plastered his whole entire metallic cane um, with stickers, like, you know, rock band stickers and stuff like that. And truly nobody could really see because it's thin, so the sticker had to go around it. But somehow he loved that. But, you know, I mean, luckily he looked very blind, right? His eyes was scarred. And so it, it, it was easier to to spot that he was blind immediately, but it created a confusion about, is that a white cane or what is it, mm -hmm. you know, or is it a carnival baton, you know? <laughs> and so, so I think uh, I'm always, I've always been big on safety. So in mine, like, you know, maybe I would put a little charm on the little thing that hangs off of it or something, but I always made sure that mine was a really white cane. And even I had, um, you know, even I had trouble at some point using my cane. Not not all the time. It was more like when I started having crushes on boys and I was around them, I didn't want to be different, right? But other than that, I'm a little bit of a rebel, so I've, I've always liked to make statements. Like, like, I'm different than you, so what big deal? Like me or hate me, but... So, um, yeah, I think that's a, it's a big problem because... Safety is huge. And, um, well, and then there's other problems too, because like sometimes you start with little kids having canes, but then they use that as a defense tool <laughs> <laughs> or a bullying tool. And, and, you know, and then teachers want to take away from them, you know, and, and it's not, it's really a safety. It's kind of like an extension of your eye and, yeah. and, it's an assistive device, like they say. That's the law uh, way of speaking. Even a guide dog is an assistive device in the laws, and um, and that's what it is. And and you know, and people trying to take it away from you, like it, it's like it's like kryptonite for Superman. It, it takes your independence away. And what I said too, when I mentioned the, you know, it makes me sad. There's two aspects of it. One is I, w I want people to feel confident and use the cane. It's a wonderful tool. It's a symbol of, of independence and mobility. But one of the things that makes me sad is that, especially with 
it seems to be with my seniors. I don't want to throw any particular age group under the bus, but it seems to be with my seniors particularly where they're not wrong in that when they go into a place with a, with a white cane, people treat them differently. And this is part of a much more larger and much more deep-seated problem, but they, they don't feel like they're being treated the way they are when they don't have the cane, when people don't know about that. They, they, that yeah. That is correct. It's It's absolutely correct. So we have a joke here at home. And I call my cane the honey stick. And, you know, we walk in a store. And I think last time it was actually, I think when, when the joke started, I was in a Tommy Hilfiger store. And, you know, I was looking around, browsing, touching everything, which sometimes makes um, salespeople not very happy. Not on a closed store, but in other stores, because I'm touching everything. And they're looking at me, giving me probably the evil eye, and I'm totally ignoring it. But, you know, my husband stepped away, and I pulled my cane out. And it was incredible. As soon as I did that, three salespeople came to me, and they were all like, honey, do you need any help? Honey this, honey that, honey, 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 honey. And I started testing. So that's how my cane got baptized as the honey stick. And every time, you know, we're joking around, Sergio says like, hey, why don't you take your honey stick out <laughs> before giving you the eye? <laughs> so I think it's funny that if you, they think I'm sighted, right, they treat me like mean. And then as soon as I, they, they realize I'm blind, they treat me with kindness. But then it's not just kindness. There is also a, oh, wow, you you are less capable so now i'm i'm gonna be nicer to you but if they thought i was at the same level than they were then they you know treat me like 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 me and yeah. and i i really wish that we we didn't have to do that that you know that we judge people less and and try to understand where they come from and treat them in a nice way regardless. And is that ever that, that feeling when, when you're bringing it out and you're getting a different service and they're talking to you and they're, they're giving you that different service because you're blind, does it ever feel like condescending a little bit? Yeah, it does. And it doesn't come from anybody. Like I have a friend that she, everybody, she says, hun, this hun, that yeah. hun, you know, and, and I love it. Like I, I, one of my yoga teachers, she's probably on her 50s 40s 50s and she talks like this and she's like oh guys that is so nice you know so she talks like you're five-year-old but of course she teaches gymnastics to kids like from i don't know anywhere from two to ten right so she has this uh, motivating tone for kids and and that's just who she is and i remember the very first time i met her and she came oh this and i was like oh my gosh there we go but I was absolutely wrong. That's who she is. And she's very sweet and a wonderful person. And, you know, and, and that's exactly how she treats everyone. She's not condescending. So I was, you know, quick to judge. So, you know, it goes both ways. That's, that's um, very true. And every once in a while when you do a job like that, that type of voice kind of sneaks in sometimes. I've been accused of, of my wife of using my podcasting voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I joke with you when you do. <laughs> We're not in the podcast. Yeah. But you know, you know, so that's what I'm saying. I think I think we all judge. It doesn't bother me. Uh and to say the truth, I'd much rather somebody's giving me good service, uh whatever their motives are, than having to grab good service. 
Well, these are the reasons why this this awareness is really important. The way that people are being treated is really important and why things like the White Cane Day and, and other blindness awareness events are important. Because um, you mentioned, you know, the cane is this symbol and you're getting different service at, uh, you know, at, at a store. Uh, but at the same time, like with one of my seniors, the, they when they have the cane and they meet someone new and uh, they tend to talk to them or treat them differently. And sometimes it adds a little bit of a fear to the other person because they're like, oh, this person's blind. I haven't talked to or interacted with the blind person before. Uh, that makes me uncomfortable. Maybe I'm just going to maybe avoid them. And that's what yeah. their fear is. And it ha- I, I mean, I've seen some seniors that lost you know, their sight and their friends treat them different. And, you know, and, and they do weird stuff. So they, I mean, it, it becomes more than what the cane is. But my opinion is claim it, you know. And if your friends cannot grow with you, right, with the change, then to say the truth, they weren't your friends to start with. This is one of the reasons why I encourage, I, I really want anybody who, who is in the point where a cane, white cane will, will be a benefit to get them out there. Because the more canes we get out there, the more awareness that people have, the more interactions people have with people with canes, the less, the more we can kind of, you know, I know it's, it's chipping away at a big obstacle, but the way we, the more we can teach society about this is the reason why, you know, the more, the more, more people who, who ask questions and learn more about service animals make those animals make that uh, interaction out in the public better. People know about it. When I was in high well, middle school, they actually had someone come in and teach us about what the cane and what a service dog is and how we're not supposed to pet the service dog and, and about how the cane is used to navigate and how, you know, a blind person is just another person and those types of things. And that was great, but not all the schools do that. And so we, these white cane day events are great at trying to get that out for people who maybe didn't have those opportunities like I did as a child to kind of have some of the um, myths and uh, assumptions dissolved about, uh, about blindness and people who are blind. You know, it's a mobility aid and, and it's also an accessibility issue, right? The cane is to me for my walking as my screen reader is for my computer. It's just, giving me information that I need to have in order to move. And, and also like, look, I, I, I will, you know me, I'm not that kind of blind person. That's like, I'm super independent. I love interdependence and I also love to have friends and yeah, I hold hands with my friends and I grab arms because, you know, I, I like to walk faster or recognize a new place that I'm in. Um, you know, if I'm in a conference, there's no point for me to be, you know, trying to cane around through walls and obstacles. I'm glad to 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 grab a ride in somebody's arm, you know. Um, when I live, uh, I was in the plane the other day, actually. And every time I come home, I just get, I catch a ride in somebody's arm on my way out. I kind of know my airport, but it's a mayhem. And you always have to take the train out. And there's all this, you know, all this these bags and people don't realize and they can run over your cane and fold your cane. I mean, it's it's crazy stuff. So why not? To me, it's a safety deal. And I was with this guy, really nice person. We actually became friends and all that. He's even coming down for my birthday. But 
um, you know, we were talking the whole time and he totally didn't realize I was blind because he came after I, I was already seated and my cane was already in my bag. So when we were getting closer, I asked him if he would mind. I took a ride on his arm and he gave me like, you know, the pause. So I could tell that he was, he had this puzzled look on him. And so then I explained, I said, oh, you didn't ri- realize I'm totally blind, did you? And he's like, oh, shoot, no, <laughs> you know. And um, so we, we got out of the plane and we were there super fast and it, it wasn't awkward at all. And he didn't mind, you know. So that's what I'm talking about. He didn't complicate. And he said, look, I've never done this before. Never met a blind person, never helped them through anywhere what should I do? And I said, well, you just keep walking and now just follow you. And that's it. And, and it was great. So that's what I'm talking about. The, the cane there was not a, was not a, a thing because we had already established a, a, you know, a conversation. We had already hang out. And, but when people see the cane, a lot of times they, they just assume several things. So don't let the cane become whatever your opinion of what a person with a cane means. You know, it's, it's like when you use those walking canes, right? For, for people that have mobility, just because they're bent and they're using a cane uh, or even a crutches. I mean, here in Colorado, you see so many people on crutches and half of the time they're like, you know, crazy athletes that gets injured. And, but a lot of people in, in, in other states, you see somebody in a crutch right? You assume all these things about them, disability. But here in Colorado, it's amazing because when you see somebody with a crutch, there is not a that assumption. Actually, half of the time, the assumption is, oh, they got hurt, like doing some crazy stuff like rock climbing or, or running or biking or, you know, doing some crazy sport because that's what happens here. So I want to transition us into uh, another part of White Cane Day, and that is being aware of your rights. And there are some specific uh, laws and rights around the White Cane that I don't think everybody is aware of. So in celebration of White Cane Day, why don't we talk about some of the laws? Yeah, rights and duties. So rights for cane users and duties for all you all rest that's out there. (laughs) So, so regarding the laws, uh, so uh, I think it's every state in the United States uh, has its own white cane law, and they do vary uh, a little bit. They all kind of have one central theme, and that is giving the right of way to an individual with a white cane at an intersection. Uh, but you're going to want to look up, if you want to know your laws for your particular state, we're going to put uh, a link in the show notes, but the web address is actually really easy. So I'm actually using the American Council of the Blinds uh, listing of white cane laws. And you can actually find that online at acb.org slash white cane. No spaces in there. So that's acb for American Council of the Blind dot org slash white cane. What they have is they have a listing of every single state and what the white cane laws are for that state. So if you do open that up, uh, it has them all in alphabetical order. They're all listed by headings if you're navigating with a screen reader. Or you can just do a, a find command and type in the name uh, of, your, uh, of your state, and it'll jump you straight there. So, for example, there's actually a difference, as we were looking at it, between Minnesota and Colorado. 
So Minnesota uh, has a, a specific law, uh, which is law number 169.202, blind person carrying a white cane. And there in in our state of Minnesota, in my state of Minnesota, uh, the blind pedestrian, the law says that blind hey, pedestrian. It's still our. It's, it's I, still our. I, didn't, I didn't give it up. Oh, you're in Colorado, you traitor. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, you can. Hey, I got more sun now. That's true. That's true. But you got that high <laughs> mountain air, which is clearly going to your head. No. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, <laughs> so it's okay, uh, guys. He just had a brain frost there. That's, it's just so cold, so <laughs> cold. Okay, no, sorry. I had to go on this tangent. So last night it was maybe sixty here, and I went for a walk, taking the dogs out, and I was freezing. I mean, I had a sweatshirt and a, I mean, a light jacket, not a Minnesota jacket. If I put my, any of my Minnesota jackets here, I just die of heat. But um. It's it's kind of funny because uh, you know we just went out and I put a hat and and I was like I'm so cold I feel so cold and then my husband go like oh gosh you're not a Minnesotan anymore what's wrong with you he's just sixty and he was just like in a I don't know t-shirt I think but I was freezing so uh, it, so in Minnesota the Minnesota law specifically uh, is. There, first of all, their white cane law is specifically for a blind person carrying a white cane. And there's a saying that a blind person at any intersection who's carrying uh, a white cane with, a red, with or without a red tip, and it can be white or metallic or with a service animal, that that person at that intersection has full right of way. So you should uh, stop for that person regardless of the type of intersection that it is. Now, it does have to be at an intersection, so you can't just walk out into the middle of the street anywhere you want. Uh, it has to be at an intersection. Uh, but they, uh, We needed the, the sound of the wheels stopping. The wheels stopping. <laughs> uh, but it means if you're at an intersection that you have full and absolute legal right of way. Uh, and also, because the white cane has that power, it has that authority in that case, it is also uh, a misdemeanor to carry a white cane uh, and uh, and use it at an intersection and not be a blind person because you have special rights as a blind person with that cane. Now, we also found out, though, that in Colorado, uh, that, uh, uh, that the state law is a little bit different. Now, they have one state law about drivers and pedestrians, and it includes uh, uh, their law also folds in uh, wheelchair and mobility and even in some cases, uh, a hearing, a hearing loss or, or deafness. Uh, and it's saying that any pedestrian or car, so that includes also people on the sidewalk, are to give right of way to an individual uh, with a disability, with a white cane or in a wheelchair or with oh, a crutches. significant crutches or a significant mobile uh, mobility dis- uh, disability. They also have, uh, they also will give you uh, a, a, a ticket for, uh, for tr- pretending to be one of those categories. Yeah, I believe that it is a misdemeanor to pretend to, you know, to have a disability, to, to use assistive devices when you don't have a disability across the country. So, and they should start cracking down on the people that have fake service dogs. Just saying. <laughs> and we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, 
the service service animals in a, in a future episode we'll go we're gonna go in real deep about that and and also about the uh, what categorizes something as a service animal versus uh in a support you know emotional support animal and uh and of course laws are are from state to state vary on that as well so we'll go into that in detail yes we definitely will we will try to have other people too in the podcast to support but yes um so the why can you know but here for example you need so here you have to give the right away if you are a pedestrian if you in Colorado, I mean, by here, uh, if you are a car or if you're somebody on the bike. And I understand why the law is modified because here, like I said, there's a lot of sports and a lot of things like that. And, and you know, and then there's things like we have a lot of trails and sometimes there's, you know, people with horses or with bikes or although I see less and less horses, that's a whole nother problem. But um, yeah, so I think that that's why the the law is there because there's a lot more activity and probably a lot more accidents that happen. But unfortunately, people don't obey it. Like um, I might have told this story before, but there was this blind guy on this cross, you know, crosswalk of a big avenue, and you know, he he got his cane. He did like a he he lifted his cane and, and twirled around like if it was like a you know a lightsaber. And then he put it down and he started, and then this car, we were all stopped. And my husband saw this other car went and just cut the guy, like, you know, just, just almost ran over him. He had to sort of stop and then continue. And that, and that's very scary. And I'm sure that driver had no idea about the Viking law. One interesting thing, this is a variation that you see from state to state, but some states in their law state that the cane must be, when you're at an intersection, and you would like right of way, uh, you must extend the cane in front of you rather than just holding it to your chest. Uh, and that's supposed to symbolize your intention to cross the intersection or not. So you might want to check that with your state law. But I, I'm going to bet that a lot of drivers don't realize that the way you're holding the cane is supposed to communicate something different. And that's, once again, why these White Kate Day is such an important day is to remind everybody that there are uh, there are specific rules uh, that uh, that are based around the cane. So like, yeah, and the truth yeah. is, see somebody with a white cane, please stop, and you know, and help or whatever. Like I get people that you know roll their windows and say, "Hey, it's ready, go ahead." Um, I don't know, just help out because it's so scary. You you're supposed to trust drivers. You're supposed to trust that law. But, you know, like I said, I asked 35 people when 32 people don't even know the law exists or or even, you know, or, or 25 doesn't know what a Viking means. I, I can't feel safe out there. So um, I think we've talked about the law. We talked about awareness here. Uh, we're coming up on an, on an hour. Do you have any f maybe final thoughts here before we uh, wrap up this uh, this episode? I just want to say that also you should check on your states because in some states you can actually cross in the middle of the street, meaning like you don't have to be in the intersection. Oh, that's so, a good point. I mentioned it was only intersections, but you're right. The state, the state is different. So uh, yes, thank you so for in some place, in some places you can, uh, you know, technically jaywalk. <laughs> that's when you all wish you were blind, right? Um, and no, I, I just think we should try to be nicer, judge less and pay more attention 
because if people are trying to cross the streets, I've been run over. My life has been changed due to that. And please just be more aware and pay more attention. Don't text and pay attention on the people that are crossing the street because blind people being run over, it's a big deal. It and, is. It is. And you were, you, that was a, at an intersection for you, right? You were. Oh, I was on a crosswalk. And it I was really, on a crosswalk. You had full, and that's, that's a point I want to point out. Is and that, it was in a 20 mile um, speed limit. 20 mile per hour speed limit. So even though you have the legal rights, uh, you know, be careful out there because not everyone's following them. Not everyone's paying attention and uh, all the rights in the world won't protect you from a ton of metal coming down at you. Yeah, that's right. And please, Halloween is coming. Don't go trying to pretend to be blind. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 not that's not cool. You might think, oh yeah, I can get. I've got a white cane. I can I can get it out. And 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 it's it's kind of taking over someone's identity. And like we said, impersonating a blind person is a misdemeanor in most states. Uh, I know we're all trying to have fun and we're trying to identify. Just just be aware. Is all I'm saying. Unless if you're blind like me, then you can pull it off. You don't need to buy a costume. And then when you show up on the party and they say, hey, what are you dressed up? I'm like, blind chick. You should you should go as a sighted person and uh, and, and ask people sighted people questions like uh, like 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 harass your blind friends, pretend to be a sighted person and be like, hey, oh, wow. Are your other senses stronger now that you're blind? What's your superpower? A bad impersonation of a sighted person. <laughs> then that would be impersonating. Do you think there's a misdemeanor for that? <laughs> I think you'd be. Right. I think I think because uh, you've run into a lot of situations where people don't realize that you're blind, and uh, so I think you'd be a. I, I think you'd have a lot of fines. Uh. <laughs> well, and for you blind people out there, be more patient with the sighted people. They don't always mean bad. They're just curious. That's true. They just don't know. We just need to, through awareness and, you know, days like the White Cane Day is to get people comfortable, get people talking to each other, getting people understanding so that we don't have those misunderstandings. It's just about awareness and everybody, uh, most people have very good intentions, uh, even if it doesn't always, uh, sometimes it doesn't feel feel good. Uh, just try to understand where they're coming from and, and help guide them. And some days... Some days you've had a long day, and it's not your job to have to police and be teacher of the world. You know, forgive yourself. You're, you too. can just give a little bite. You can <laughs> give a little bite and then forgive yourself. It's okay. Chew them up and then move on with your life. But if you're <laughs> chewing people up every day, then sorry, something gotta gotta do a, a attitude adjustment there. Yeah, give them a little bit of a break here. So, uh, but like you said, everybody have a have a safe. Halloween out there, even though it might be dark and stormy, and it may be dangerous. They're coming! Go hide! Oh no, there's someone in my booth again! They're coming closer! <gasps> okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a break. That um, <laughs> didn't sound like you. No, it did not. But anyways, everybody be uh be uh be kind, be good to each other. Oh, I that's my I sign off there, but if you've got any feedback, if you like this episode or you want to hear more about other topics, send us feedback at feedback at access.ninja. This has been Jonathan. This is being Rachel. 
and be nice to each other. Yeah, yeah, give give everyone a break. <laughs>